You're listening to Something You Can Feel, a Black Art History podcast. I'm your all-around artsy host, Kiera, and I'd like to thank you so much for tuning in. There might be some coarse language, so viewer discretion is advised. Otherwise, I hope you enjoy the show. Okay. Hello, this is Something You Can Feel, a Black Art History podcast. I'm Kiera. I'm your host, Um I'm an interdisciplinary artist. Um, I like to read about art history a lot um, in a kind of nerdy way. Um, And today I'm in Providence, Rhode Island. Um, I'm currently doing a week and a half long residency at a place called uh, The Wedding Cake House. Um, I initially didn't think I was going to record a podcast here or ever in my life, Um, but I was like, I should because it's cool and it's a really cool house. And it made me think a lot about um, art things that have started in houses or that are still in houses. Um, And this is a group residency. And so there are other people here. And I was like, if there's a willing victim, please just like sit in the room with me while I record this podcast. (laughs) There's a person in here drawing right now very quietly. Um, So yes, they're a group people here all working together and I'm a part of them. so the place I'm at, it's in Providence. It's, what are we on the east side of Providence? No, west side. no. okay, we're on the west side of Providence um, in a neighborhood called Olney, Olney? No, this is Federal Hill. This is Federal Hill? Yeah, Olney Hill is. So we're in Federal Hill. <laughs> we're in Federal Hill, um, which is where the wedding cake house is. Um, and it's an umbrella over the Dirt Palace, which is a feminist run art space that was founded in 2000. Um, It was an abandoned building in Onlyville, and it includes two facilities now, um, the one that's the abandoned library and then the wedding cake house, which is where I'm staying in. Um, And they have residency programs, um, exhibition opportunities. um, All these opportunities are organized um, by a group of feminist artists. Um, They provide some really affordable studio space, facilities, shared resources, opportunities, um, and foster a culture of cooperation and a commitment to the public arts. Um, You can also live in Dirt Palace, right? How does, so on the first floor, there are studio spaces, like a communal studio space. There's a print shop that I saw. Um, There's a band practice room. And then on the second floor, there are about, what you said, five to like eight people who can live there about like, five to eight rooms um, where people can live. And then there's also a studio space below that. Dirt Palace's mission is to enhance the cultural life of the city by building relationships between artists and the public, as well as creating visibility for feminist artists and historically marginalized artists. Um, So the original, the OG Dirt Palace facility is a storefront window gallery. Um, You can view it from Olney Square at any time, 24 seven. Um, and Dirt Palace members curate uh, this space and anywhere between eight to 12 artists installations are exhibited in the space. Um, like I said, when I visited, there was a really cool uh, screen printing shop and it was also like very DIY punky-esque um, looking space. So if you like screen printing shit that also feels a little quirky, it's that vibe. Um, and artists can rent studio spaces and yeah, really cool space. Um, the Wedding King House, where I'm staying, was built in 1867, and in 1915, the house was purchased by an Italian immigrant dressmaker named Anna Tarochi. Tarochi? 
Taroki. Taroki. Anna Taroki. Anna and her sister Laura, um, they're essentially couture dressmakers and they make really cute outfits, fancy shit um, for rich people in Providence that were echoing Paris fashions. In 1946, Anna died and everything was wrapped in tissue paper and put away. Uh, 40 years later, folks from the RISD Museum um, were invited to see the space by Laura's son. And essentially they were really stunned because the space had been maintained pretty well. So it was a very big like fashion archive because this place is a mansion. Um, so it's a big ass little, I guess, fancy little thing that they popped into. Um, yeah, the house was abandoned sometimes in the late 80s and 90s. Um, and in 2016, feminist artists from Dirt Palace began renovating the house. So they could host both long-term and short-term residencies that last between one to three weeks. Um, the house was renovated between 2016 and 2020 by hundreds of local artists and tradespeople. Um, there's art literally like all over the house. Um, in all the rooms, you'll see like little framed pieces here and there and they're uh, worked by artists who have lived here. All the rooms have very elaborate wallpapers that were uh, inspired by the dresses from the Trukowski sisters. Why did I, that's not, Troki? Taroki. Taroki, okay, Taroki sisters. Um, so every room has this really beautiful wallpaper. There's really beautiful like decor touches. The fucking stairs are even beautiful. Um, the bathrooms are pretty. My bathroom is beautiful and purple and it has this fancy bathtub. It's bigger than the bathroom in my own apartment. Beautiful. And you can also book these rooms on Airbnb. I'll probably put that in the description to this episode. Um, but it's a really beautiful house. It's literally a mansion that's been renovated by like quirky artists. And it looks like that. Um, and it's really like, it's really nice. Like I would love to like, I don't know, rent an Airbnb and have a beautiful vacation or something here. But I'm here working and being a very serious artist. So um, that's what I'm doing here. Yeah, the central questions that the Dirt Palace is addressing, uh, two questions. What can the role of artists be in constructing contemporary understandings and interpretations of history? What roles can artists play in various aspects of repair? Um, yeah, and it's been really cool being here. Um, like I said, it's a group residency. So there are what, six or seven of us here? There's, there's a couple, there's a, it's, a, it's like a little bunch. And then uh, Xander and Pippi are the two folks who like kind of run all these programs or help support all these programs. And then there's a person here named Miranda who's like the innkeeper and like, I don't know, it's a really cute little bunch and everyone has really different practices, um, but I don't know. We like have different practices, but I think we're all like kind of interested in the similar shit in a way. Yeah. If you're interested in staying at the mansion, I'll put that in the description link. Um, if you're interested in a residency, they're typically for mid-career artists who've been working in their practice for at least 12 years. But there are some spots for emerging artists that I guess are a bit more competitive. Just want to be clear, I'm not a mid-career artist. I have not been working in anything for 12 years. I guess just been living my life. Um, I'm 26, so I'm not a mid-career artist, but um, there are opportunities for emerging artists. And I think you can also just like start off by just like knowing the Dirt Palace folks and just getting on the Dirt Palace mailing list. So I'll put all that shit in the description box. Um, but yeah, really cool opportunity. Um, yeah, and I feel like if you're an emerging artist and you see something, you're like, maybe I can't do that because da, 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 just apply. And even if they reject you, they'll remember you when you apply again in three years. Um, 
And so while I was here thinking about like black art spaces that are centralized or originated in people's homes, and this is just, I hadn't thought about this in any real way for longer than a day or two. So I'm going straight off the dome. So let's see what we do here. Um, and there are three spaces that like came to mind for me. One of them is the Dusaba Museum in Chicago. Um, the other, you, yeah, we got a, we got a, Chica a former Chica a Chicago dweller here. Um, the Color Girls Museum, which is in Philly, and then Jazzbox, which is also in Philly. Um, all these spaces are run by Black women and are spaces that uh, artists actively inhabited while they were also public or community art spaces. So I first wanted to talk about the DuSable Museum in Chicago. So DuSable, if you're not aware of the namesake or the name significance of DuSable, um, a Haitian man named John Point. Ooh, I'm butchering the name, but I'm just going to explain. So his name is John baptiste Point Dusable, um, and he's a Haitian man. Um, so in Chicago, like Dusable, there's so many things named Dusable, 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 everywhere, 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 including this museum. But um, I have a, when I went to college, I have a professor, her name is Courtney P. Joseph, um, amazing professor, um, and she studies Haitian history in Chicago. And so I took this class with her and she takes us on this tour of downtown to show us where DuSable was and da 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 da. And she, you know, just funny enough goes like, yeah, you know, you guys are all saying it wrong. And I'm like, what? And she's like, she's Haitian. And so she's like, yeah, in Creole, it's like DuSable, 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 something like that. And so I was like, no, it's DuSable. But anyway, Chicago, we're saying it wrong. It's DuSable, I guess, DuSable. But DuSable? I'm going to say DuSable, I think, because it's just, uh, this is wrong, but it's most natural to me. Anyway, John Baptiste Point DuSable is the man who discovered Chicago. But DuSable, um, he and his indigenous wife, Kitiwa, discovered the city in 1837. Um, this was actually a history that was attempted to be hidden for a long time, um, to have a major city discovered by a Black man. And so for an early period in Chicago, um, alleged there was this guy named Kaminsky or some shit like that um and they alleged that he had discovered the city which was just not possible and his daughter I guess they were some rich family and his daughter just like pushed that narrative after he died but it just wasn't true I don't know um history for you um but in the 1960s and 70s I think a lot of uh black folks in Chicago on the south side were really intrigued by that history and like kind of I guess rediscovered it or became re-interested in it. And so if you're ever in Chicago on the South Side, I feel like there's so many references to DuSable like everywhere. And so the DuSable Museum was founded by Margaret Burroughs, who's a really cool legend. She's a really cool person. I feel like she's very under talked about and like very under recognized, but I feel like if you are interested in socially engaged like black art spaces or black people doing community-based work, she's a very interesting person to know. Um, her family moved from Louisiana to Chicago in the 1920s. Um, the Great Migration had a big, pretty big impact on Chicago. And if you know anything about the Chicago education scene, you'll really, Margaret Burroughs had it on lock. Um, she went to Inglewood with Gwendolyn Brooks, poet, she's a really big poet. Um, she went to the School of the Art Institute and went to Chicago State University, which was at the time, I think called the Teachers College or something like that. Um, and if SAIC, I'm sorry, the School of the Art Institute of Chicago, um, very elite school. We have a <laughs> School of the Art Institute graduate in the building. And Chicago State is cool because that's actually where my 
family, like my grandma has a house over there and my dad and my mom both grew up over there. So I was like always at Chicago State for like swim classes or like a dance class that I think I was kicked out of, just random stuff. So it was cool to learn about her and realize she had been there. Um, She was both an educator and an artist. She taught at DuSable High School for 20 years. It's funny because I feel like no one wants to go to DuSable High School at all. Um, But she taught at DuSable for 20 years, which is a high school in Chicago, and she taught Black Studies at Elmhurst College. Um, I think she mostly worked in printmaking. She made these really cool lino cut prints. If you don't know what lino cut is, it's like a linoleum plate and you carve into it and then you print it and it prints that image. Um, She had exhibited work across the country and in 1939 when she was 23, she worked along with Eleanor Roosevelt to find the Southside Community Arts Center. Uh, It was a social center, gallery and studio space and boarding house for black artists. It was funded by the WPA, which is the Works Progress Administration. Um, In the 1930s and 40s, the government, strangely enough, invested a lot of money into the arts and um, kind of helped support artists for a very rare time in America. The government invested a lot of money into the arts and like actually created art spaces and funny enough, invested in this Black art space. Strangely enough, never going to do that again. Um, It's a landmark. It's in Bronzeville. If you ever are around, they still do really amazing shows to this day. Um, I have someone I went to high school with who's doing some stuff over there, and I know it's just really cool. Um, And that's all I'll say about Margaret Burroughs and her background in the Southside Community Arts Center right now, because I'll, if I ever make another episode of this podcast, we'll eventually talk about them, uh, the Southside Community Arts Center and Margaret Burroughs in more detail. Um, And she's also a really interesting person to me. Because when I was an undergrad, I had to archive all of her. She passed away in 2010, and her house was just this cool archive of all these, like, historic um, documents from Black activists and artists from the 60s and 70s. And she had passed away and had all these cats, I guess. And so these really cool archives of things and artifacts are just, like, in her house with cat piss all over them. And I'm archiving them and finding amazing things with cat piss on them. Anyway, in 1961, she, along with her husband, Charles Burroughs, and some other artists were not pleased with the omission of Black people from educational spaces. So they created what was initially called the Ebony Museum of Negro History and Art. It was originally in Margaret and Charles's home on 38th in Michigan. And in 1968, the space was renamed the DuSable Museum. Um, Apparently, there were no other Black art spaces like this in Chicago, which is really shocking because they're everywhere now. And I argue that this is like solely because of her. Um, It became Chicago's focal point for Black social activism. They hosted political fundraisers and community festivals and still do to this day. The museum's model has been emulated in cities across the country, including Boston, LA, and Philly. In 1973, the Chicago Park District, that's where my daddy works, um, donated a park space in Washington Park, where I think most people are most familiar with the space. Um, And I would say it's a very big part of the fabric of the South Side, very much so. Um, The the DuSable Black History Museum is the oldest and before the Black Smithsonian in 2016 was discovered, um, the largest caretaker of Black American culture in the nation. It's essentially like the only actual memorial to DuSable, which is strangely sad enough. Um, my professor, Courtney Joseph, 
was we did like a tour when I was an undergrad of like downtown, essentially like referencing like where Dusabo like had done historical things. And there's like a little bust of him downtown, but it's not very like you would think that the person who discovered the city would get something nicer. But it's a very small bust. And there was actually a lot of moves, I guess, in the 90s to get something downtown, like a park named after Dusable, but they've always just been really slow on it. And it's just like very much like, oh, you just like hate black people and don't want to say that they discovered the city. But there's not really a lot of monuments to him. So it is cool that he has this whole museum. Um, the collection from the Dusable actually has some really cool stuff. They have some artifacts from Ida B. Wells, Paul Lawrence Dunbar, W.E.B. Du Bois. Du Bois, or people go Du Bois, um, and Langston Hughes. <laughs> um, I know when I was in high school, I was in high school around 2013, I was leaving high school 2013, 2014-ish. Um, there was supposed to be some expansion and renovation happening. Um, I think Chance the Rapper was supposed to play some role in this IDK. I think that was a thing. Um, it has a really beautiful and like sweet place in my heart, like I said, because I feel like so many people went there for field trips. And it has this like um, robotic, like old school robotic thing that's a little creepy of Harold Washington. Harold Washington is Chicago's first black mayor. And if you don't know nothing, like people love Harold Washington. Harold Washington is like fucking crack cocaine in Chicago. Um, but yeah, it's like this weird like robot. I'm like literally almost moving my body like a robot right now, figure of Harold Washington. And it like greets you and like into the museum and like, you know, says goodbye as you leave. And it's a little creepy, but it has this very sweet place in my heart. Um, very core memory for me. Margaret Borles was actually, uh, Harold Washington had appointed Margaret Borles to be the Chicago Park District Commissioner. So that's also a cool thing. Um, the second space, the Color Girls Museum um, is in Germantown in Philly. When I first, I live in Philly right now. When I first moved, it was like the first place I wanted to visit. Um, it's a memoir museum founded by Vashti Du Bois in 2015. It honors the stories and experience of ordinary color girls. The collection, essentially the collection is only works from Black women. Um, it's a research facility, exhibition space, and gathering space. And it's in Vashtu's house. Um, Germantown is a historically Black neighborhood, um, and they have these really beautiful, exquisite houses and architecture, and the house very much mimics the beautiful, beautiful architecture that's in Germantown. Um, the mission of the Color Girls Museum is to be a public ritual for the protection, praise, and grace of the ordinary color girl. Protection from anything that can cause her harm, grace for her stories, memories, hopes, fears, and dreams, and praise for all that she is. It is a sanctuary, not just for colored girls, but anyone interested in um, It says that Bashti uses the word color, um, colored because this is words from her. Um, I am interested in how people react to it based on their history with the word and the visceral feeling it elicits. We don't, won't all have the same response to it. There is a feeling, at least for me, that gets stirred up when I think about my colored girl experiences. Mostly how I have literally been altered change. Colored is there also as a broadness to the word, which allows us to be inclusive of the diaspora. Inclusive of how truly diverse colored girls can be. Um, I think it's actually pretty easy to submit work to the museum. I think folks actually self 
submit. Um, when I first started grad school in Philly, she actually emailed me and the other Black women in my program asking if we were interested in submitting work or just wanting to like chat and visit and just like wanted us to just be like, hey, just know I'm here. Um, and that was really cool. Um, and I ended up visiting eventually. And it's a really, really cool, like, it's crazy. It's literally her house. Like, it's like going to like, I don't know. For me, it was like, oh, this is like going to my like auntie's house. And like, just like, she has a lot of like art in it. And it's actually cool because I feel like, I don't know, if you have a very, I have, my family likes to de decor in their home. So I feel like if you have a very like decor based auntie, it's like that, but like an art space. Um, the living room was a really cool space. I think when I was visiting, the exhibition was called One Room Schoolhouse. So it kind of mimicked that history of there being one room schoolhouses, particularly like in the rural South for Black folks. Um, and so the living room had a lot of cool like art here. I can't remember it all off the dome, but it was some really cool um, pieces in there. A lot of paintings that I thought were really beautiful um, of little girls, which I thought was really sweet. And I think when I was there, there was a piece addressing um, like black girls disappearing. And there was like a cool piece of like, um, so like a bunch of different like drawings, I think of like little black girls. And it was like the amount of black girls that are missing right now, something like that. Um, and then her kitchen was really cool because at the time she was actually making lunch when I was there. And she like just guides you around the house like here's my room, here's this room, here's this room. Um, so we're in the kitchen and there's like, it was really cool because she's making food. So it smells good. But also there were like black hair care products, like in references to like black people doing their hair in the kitchen, which I thought was cool. Or just referencing that history of like, you probably get your hair washed in the sink, um, you know, during times before folks had a blue magic grease in the store, you know, you would make your hair products in the kitchen and what the same things you might eat with. Um, and so I just thought that was a really cool, like, connection um, of just, like, also as a person who's gotten my hair, like, uh, pressed on, like, a, with that little comb on the stove. I'm like, yeah, this is very relatable um, to my kitchen and hair life. And then at the time, um, I don't know. So her son was, I think, back from college. And she like pointed to his room and was like, yeah, that's the black boys room, um, the colored boys room. And I don't know if his room was decorated, but it was funny because he looked like he was just like, you know, you're back home from college and like, you know, you're just like, I don't know, trying to go to the kitchen and grab something real quick. And like, there's a bunch of people doing a tour of your house. But he was really like, hey, whatever. <laughs> um, and then her bedroom was beautiful. Her bedroom was beautiful. Um, I don't even know how to describe it beautiful 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 um art in there and just a beautiful bedroom and then a thing that I think had a big impact on me was she had a room that was like the laundry room and it was just like also referencing the history of black women um like being domestic workers uh and it's just a really cool a lot of the stuff in there was like white fabric and I thought that was cool um yeah and at the Philadelphia airport there's actually a lot of art and installations at the Philadelphia airport um, I have a few friends that actually have front, uh, pieces at the airport, and I feel like I haven't really been to other airports that have so much local art. Um, it's really cool. Um, but at the Philadelphia, what's it called? The Philadelphia Airport, um, there's the Color Girls Museum has an installation in the museum. It's called Sit a Spell. Um, it's a traveling exhibition exploring how Black girlhood is often fraught with societal hardships that can interfere with the health, with their health and well-being. Um, the show has six black women artists and each of them were paired with a little girl 
between the ages of 10 and 18 to create portraits. Um, you can follow them on Instagram. You can also visit their space. I 100% recommend visiting the space. Um, I hope the words I said do it some justice, and I don't think they can, so you just should visit. It's a really beautiful space, and it's in Germantown, which is a really cool neighborhood. Um, another space, this is our final space I'll talk about today, Jazzbox. This is another Philadelphia space. It's also in Germantown. Um, it was opened in August of 2022, and it's started by two of my friends. They're partners. They live there together. It's their house, um, Doriana and Mars. Um, so I've actually got to watch the development, which has been really crazy because I feel like one day, and I remember just Doriana very casually saying, like, in passing, like, yeah, I won't turn this into a speakeasy. Like, I'm thinking about that. And I feel like within like three months later, it was happening. And I thought that was crazy. Um, but Jazzbox is essentially a black art speakeasy, like I said. Um, it's their cute ass third floor apartment. It has a little roof action. Um, Doriana is a multi-dimensional artist, archivist, and memory worker originally from Germantown. What else does Doriana do? Doriana makes really beautiful collages. Doriana teaches collage workshops. I know Doriana's done some printmaking. Um, yeah, Doriana has a long resume. Um, and then there's Mars. I love Mars. Mars is so great. Um, Mars is from Massachusetts. It's funny because Mars, they were doing something at their house. And Mars was in the room and there was another person in the room from Massachusetts. And I was like, I don't think I've ever been in a room with two people from Massachusetts who aren't white. This is crazy. I didn't know there were uh, other kind of people there. But they're both Afro-Puerto Ricans and they're interested in preserving Black artifacts and Black archives. Um, they host and facilitate safe and intimate activations for Black folks to mobilize ideate, ideate, yeah, ideate, and co-conspire. This is a direct quote from them. We are opening up this experience for those who seek deep-seated community care and devotion through channels of nourishment, food, justice, artistic practice, and reparational programming. So, um, it's funny because I actually met Doriana, I guess like almost a year ago, because um, Doriana was hosting a collage workshop and it was in what was just her like casual house at the time. Um, and I was like, oh, that's such a cool house. Like, this is really cute. Um, and so it's funny because I went for the collage workshop. I met Doriana. Um, I run an art collective and we do free or low cost experimental events for Black femmes, women's, and non binary folks. And we're based in Philly. Um, and we hosted, so I met Doriana in like January. And then Doriana was like, oh yeah, you can use my space if you like want to do something with their collective. And I was like, okay, are you serious? And then they were serious. And so that was in January. In February, my collective, we did this event called Little Slice of Love, which was, so there's this person, their name is Food Bebo. You should follow them on Instagram. I'll post it in the description box. Um, but they made a really, they make crazy beautiful cakes. They look like sculptures. And I make ceramics on occasion, allegedly. Um, and so I made a bunch of ceramic plates and we had Julie's cake. And so people could come and essentially it was a cake and plate experience. So you picked which ceramic plate you wanted and then you got a little slice of this art sculpture cake. And then it was also like, a, it was like a date night. It was a Valentine's Day theme. So we had a discussion about radical honesty and love and all that stuff. Um, but we hosted that at Doriana's and Mars houses. Doriana and Mars house. Um, and so it was funny because I went, that was like in February. And then they did some stuff in the summer. They had this backyard bodega series where it was like vendors and food and music. They have a really nice backyard. And it was just like cute backyard. 
And so I was like, cool, I had went to their house. And then I went again, and I was like, dang, it's really getting nice in here. And then I went again, and I was like, dang, this house is getting nicer. And then this one day I go, and they're like, oh, yeah, we're about to, like, we're about to premiere Jazzbox. We're about to, like, do this thing. Um, we're about to, like, release our speakeasy. And I go up to their bathroom just, like, quickly, real quick. And I'm like, this is before, I guess, the opening. And I looked around and I was like, fuck, they made this really nice. And I went into the bathroom and I had been in it before and it was a cute bathroom, but I went into it this time. Doriana had collaged the entire bathroom with like, um, like a really crazy collage of just like different black artists and musicians along the wall. Um, their kitchen is like literally set up like a cafe. Um, I didn't, I don't think I mentioned this, but Mars is a really good chef, like really good at food, really good at uh, cocktail work. Um, also as a writer and like Mars just like sets up in the kitchen is like ready to, you know, dish out some drinks. Um, and Mars makes really good drinks. And so, yeah, just like over time, it was like, damn, this house is getting nicer and nicer and nicer. And you really turned it. It's a beautiful spot. And it really is a nice, like, black speakeasy for artists um some events they've done i know they just did a sound bath series where someone came and like did one of those singing bowls and like some other stuff i think there was some meditation i don't know it looked cute on instagram and then they had a 70s queer disco party that all my friends went to and i was like i'm gonna stay home and now i'm a little salty because it seemed like it was bussing um my collective we hosted another event there we had a <laughs> we had a Kwanzaa workshop that it's not a Kwanzaa workshop we had a DJ workshop like a free DJ workshop um with this person from Sub-Zero Sub-Zero is a black queer like rave series that's really cool I don't rave but if you rave you should follow them in Philly I'll post it in the description box um but we had Lorbo from Sub-Zero come and do a free DJ workshop and then there was also some like so I'll just explain this. So like we had some old school records and we gave people like old school records to collage with. So it was a DJ workshop and collage workshop. And that happened at um, Jazzbox. I was sick. So I didn't go, but I helped organize the entire thing and then couldn't have fun and learn how to DJ. But at the space, like at Jazzbox, um, they also sell home goods. So there's like old school records there. There's books, like they're all like, vintage like black books and black records um like I said Doriana does collage work and so there are like home goods with collages on them from Doriana which is really cool I saw like a flask that like had a collage on it um I know Doriana has like collage furniture before so it's a really cool space um and it is like a cafe like like I said Mars is on the drinks so I think you can really just like pop over there and like shop the home goods and like get your little drink um it's like their house and like a speakeasy and you can do events if you want to book them you can do events but also like it's cool to hang like it's a really nice house um and Doriana and Mars are literally like genuinely great people um they offered me vending I like casually one day said like oh on Instagram I want to vend maybe and I feel like Doriana and Mars both then immediately were like oh here's some opportunities they have a fund funding campaign right now um i'm gonna post it in the description box but if you're interested in supporting their work i'll put that in the description box and i think they deserve to be funded they make really cool stuff and are really good artists um they actually had a really cute gala back in december 
And I was like, oh, this is fancy. I feel like a fancy artist. Um, yeah. And that's it. Those are my three black house art things. Um, yeah. Thank you for listening. I don't think I have too much else to say. Do you want to shout yourself out? <laughs> What did I say? I don't know. This is only my second time doing this. I don't know what I should say. Mm. Anyway, we have Annalie Hendrickson. Annalie. Oh my gosh, we <laughs> just talked about this. We have Annalie. And you're really good. Like, you're in front of me right now. And like the whole time I've been recording this, um, they've been doing like ink drawings. Um, you also know how to do some screen printing, right? You also do... Do. used to do a former textile worker yeah. yeah you do a lot of stuff yeah anyway i'll put their instagram yeah. in the description yeah. box and you can follow them um is there anything else to say i don't think so um thank you for listening like i said you should go to jazz box you should go to the color girls museum um you should go to the Sabi museum and yeah you should, you should go to wedding cake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you should go to wedding cake. Um, yeah, I think this is a really, 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 really crazy cool opportunity. Um, very genuinely. I have come to Providence before and this was like cool because I feel like I'm seeing a whole other side of Providence by being here and like getting to see like the local art scene a lot more. Um, and it's a really cool space. And yeah, it's not the craziest thing in the world to like apply to some residency applications literally make me want to punch my computer yeah this is a pretty easy yeah this is a pretty easy residency application it's a very easy one um and like i said it's like for mid-career artists like i am the youngest like we're the youngest people here um so yeah <laughs> this is for like people who are a little bit more established in their careers but if you you know try it you know apply to things oh my application is free and the application is free, which is rare, and the residency is also free. And we eat. They feed, they, they feed us three times a day. We all take turns cooking. And so dinner. we all take turns cooking dinner, and then breakfast is handled, and then either Xander, Pippi, or Miranda um, make lunch. And it's, it's all good. And I'm a picky eater, and it's all good. I'm also vegetarian. <laughs> I feel like everyone here are like former vegetarians who now eat meat. And I feel like I've been I've been accommodated well. I've I've, been, I've eaten well, which is, you know, vegetarian. Sometimes people treat us like bald-headed stepchildren. Um, but I don't think I have anything else to say. Come to Wedding Cake. This is great. My room is beautiful. Um, follow me on Instagram. I'm funny there. And you can see my room. I'll like probably post something about this because it's really cool. Um, follow me on YouTube. Like, subscribe. What do they say? Like, subscribe, comment, LOL. Um, I'm sorry. I'm trying to troll like I'm a vlogger. But I don't think I have anything else to say. Okay, cool. Thank you for listening to the second episode of Something You Can Feel. If you like this and think I should do it again, you should say something. Cool. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. You can find all the resources from this episode in the description box. There you can also find my Instagram info and ways you can donate to the podcast. If you like me and the stuff I talk about and you thought this was cool and you like art, please share with a friend or leave a review and I hope to see you next time.